Hanley. And now we pray for Gordon as he brings us uh, his message today. And we pray that we all may be inspired together. Gordon. Thank you, Tony. And good morning, everyone. Lewis Carroll's story of Alice in Wonderland, I think, is well known. And in one of her strange conversations with the Mad Hatter at that famous tea party in the garden, Alice states, I think a little precociously, sometimes I believe in as many as six impossible things before breakfast. And the Mad Hatter seems to be impressed. Every year when we come to Trinity Sunday, I find myself wondering whether the doctrine of the Trinity was one of those six impossible things that Alice believed before breakfast. Having gone through the cycle of the Christian year from Advent Sunday through to Pentecost, we now pause and use a Sunday on which we reflect on the nature of God. And to guide us, we often use two of the great creeds, uh, creeds used by the Christian church for over 1700 years. We have the Apostles' Creed, which is placed in our baptismal and confirmation services. And we have the Nicene Creed, which is placed in some of our communion services. And both those creeds speak about the nature and also the activity of God, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sometimes described as three persons in one Godhead. And at this point, some people balk and ask if this is simply a human invention to make life a little bit more difficult for us. I think it's worth saying two things straight away. First of all, there's no way in which we can ever adequately and completely understand God. If we could, he wouldn't be God. As the prophet Isaiah put it, uh, speaking in God's name, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. And secondly, this description of God's nature isn't the invention of church councils in order to try and confuse people. It's rooted in the experience of the first Christians. As one theologian put it, there is a Trinitarian ground plan in the New Testament. And another theologian said that Christians were living Trinitarianally even before the creeds came to be formulated. And that really takes us to the nub of the issue, how we have come to understand God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit has arisen out of experience. Let's just say a word about that. Think about the first followers of Jesus. They came from a Jewish background. They were steeped in Jewish scriptures and they were monotheists. They believed in one God and only one. But sharing life with Jesus in Galilee, traveling with him, listening to his teaching, they were challenged. Who was this person who was saying, I and the Father are one, and those who have seen me have seen the Father? Either Jesus was fabricating a load of nonsense, or else he was speaking essential truth. And for them, his resurrection, re resurrection from the dead uh, proved the genuineness and the integrity of his teaching. And then, of course, came the experience of Pentecost, the outpouring of the gift that Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit the theme of our worship last Sunday. And from that point on, those disciples were filled with a power and a courage and an energy that quite clearly didn't come from any human source. So those two creeds, Apostles, Nicene Creed, that we often use, speak of God the Father, Creator, God the Son, Redeemer, who empties himself of glory to the point of giving his life, and God the Holy Spirit, Enabler and Life Giver. 
Now, without delving into any difficult theology further, because if I do, I shall tie myself up in knots before I tie you up in knots, um, I want to speak for a few minutes about an important practical outcome of this for us. In a number of his hymns, Charles Wesley uses phrases such as being filled with all the life of God or scattering his life through every part of us or thou art wisdom, power and love and all thou art is mine. Those sentiments clearly refer to being filled with something more than just the love of Jesus. God is inviting us to share the essential elements of his nature and his activity. We are drawn deeply into God's life. First of all, we are given the privilege of being creators. Well, I've never made anything in my life, you may say. But sharing in creativeness takes many forms. For many of us, there is the incredible privilege of becoming pro-creators, sharing in bringing it to birth another human life and creating another human family. For many, there's the challenge of taking part in the seeding and the harvesting process on the land through which we are sustained. Many people spend a whole lifetime sharing something, uh, creating something, an invention, a business, something that's going to help other people. And actually all of us have the opportunity of helping to shape the world around us, changing attitudes and creating a network of friendships. We are indeed privileged to share in God's creative activity. At the end of a person's life, we often look back and ask what legacy it is that they've left. Sometimes we sing the words of a song from the Iona community, the voice of God calling us and saying, will you use the faith you've found to reshape the world around through my sight and touch and sound in you and you in me? I wonder whether we are able to look back on what we have had a share in creating and as God did on his creation, see that it was good. And secondly, we're called to share in God's love, not just superficially, but selflessly. Because at the heart of the challenge that Jesus throws out to his would-be disciples is, take up your cross and follow me. If we are only creators in life, we can become insufferably proud, arrogant and awkward to live with and full of our own self-importance. But when we're invited to share the life of Jesus, we discover the truth of the words of Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, the words that we sometimes call the hymn of love. I may be able to do this and that. I may know this and that and lots of other things. But if I haven't got love, then it's all a waste of time. That's my paraphrase, but you know the original words. God wants to draw us into the nature and the being of his love, not just soppy passions, but self-giving, sacrificial care and compassion. And thirdly, we're drawn into the life and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Leaving an appointment some years ago, somebody handed me a little card on which they'd written a short message about how they felt my ministry had helped them do things that they hadn't imagined possible and develop their discipleship. And I was really surprised because I had no idea that my ministry had had that kind of impact on that person. But that led me to reflect on my own life 
and to realize how many people had enabled me in terms of understanding God and experiencing his love, developing my gifts, increasing my trust in God, opening up possibilities of serving God. There are many people who have been and still are enablers for me. The Holy Spirit is described in the Nicene Creed as the Lord and giver of life. And we are invited to become part of that life-giving process for other people. In the early church, the apostles energized and enabled others to become believers, to turn their lives around because they shared in the energizing power of the Holy Spirit. Maya Angelou, American writer, poet, civil rights worker, once made this observation. She said, I've learned that many people will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but they will not forget how you made them feel. I think those are our profound words, and they probably hit us with a fresh relevance following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis almost two weeks ago. The manner of George's death exposes the way that many people have been made to feel. They've been made to feel that their lives just don't matter, either because of the colour of their skin or because of the low socioeconomic group that they find themselves in. And they feel ignored, unheard, and dispensable, like unwanted goods on a market stall. And we can bring this down to personal relationships as well, because we need to be aware that we can so easily disable or even squeeze the life out of others through thoughtless words and harsh criticism. But by contrast, we can enable others to become the people that God wants them to be. And in doing that, we're sharing in the life-giving and the enabling power of the Holy Spirit who comes with a deep healing touch to our lives and our communities. So Trinity Sunday, the time when we reflect on the life of God as he has revealed himself to us in his amazing greatness and love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one and one in three, working in perfect harmony. Who God is, is truly wonderful. What God does is truly wonderful. And also truly wonderful is the fact that he says to us, in effect, share my life, join with me in what I am doing. And may we be open to do just that. Amen.